Fantasy Focus Football is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico and see all the ways that you could save. And we are back. It's like the first day of school, Daniel Dobbins. Yeah, man. I'm ready for this. It's New like season's upon us. Football is here. It's what we've been waiting for up until this point. It's like, okay, you know how you had that summer break and your summer break just wasn't long enough? Okay. I feel like summer break wasn't long enough, but I'm also still excited that school is returning. Am I allowed to do both of those? Certainly, certainly both things can happen at the same time, but it's great to be back with everybody here for yet another season of the Fantasy Focus. Thanks for everybody that is tuning in. There are a lot of ways to watch us yep. and listen to us every single day. The podcast will be available wherever you get your podcasts. In the meantime, if you want to watch live daily at 11 a.m. Eastern time, you can do so on the ESPN app. You can do so on the ESPN Fantasy Facebook page. You can do it on the ESPN YouTube page as well we certainly encourage those who do watch on youtube to get involved in the chat and then of course on x as well or twitter That's whatever you right. want to call it. Have, calling it this is my arrowhead stadium that's it. Right. Hey. Like Arrowhead Stadium is forever Arrowhead Stadium. With all due respect to Jiha, I believe right. it's now called. I think it's Arrowhead Stadium at, at Jiha Field like or something. Yeah. It's Twitter. If you want to watch us on Twitter, you can do so <laughs> at Fantasy Focus. <laughs> Best way to find all the information. We have a ton to get to today, Daniel, but I couldn't be more excited for the season ahead. We are here all the way between now and the end of the playoffs. We're going to do our best to get you as ready as we possibly can for your upcoming drafts. Heck and then yeah. once the season begins, we're going to help you build a championship roster. Couldn't be more excited about what's ahead. Field, I need a championship roster, so okay. I'm going to be listening in on this. Hopefully, you've got some nuggets you're going to share with me as well. I'll share a couple with you. That's that all right? All so right. we have a lot to dive into today, by the way. We might, if we have time, get into some of the off-season storylines that we've been discussing for the past five months. We'll try. But there are also podcasts available for those that have been listening to the once-a-week version. Well, let's Spoiler alert, there's just a lot of news, Field. There I don't is know a lot of news, yeah, because we also have some burning questions we're going to dive yeah. into to look ahead. But let's begin with some news, Daniel, and uh, you take it away from here because we have a mess in Indianapolis. Yes, we do. Let's start with Jonathan Taylor okay. after Jim Ursay decided to start a tweet storm. I know, I feel like this is a situation where it would be the old Herm Edwards situation. Don't press send! Yeah, good idea. Jim, what are you doing here? So, Field, we've had a lot of back and forth. Jonathan Taylor unhappy with the running back market. Yep. We saw some tweets from his owner, Jim Ursay. Yep. Now, Jonathan Taylor is... There's a lot going on. I guess, why don't you lay it out for us as far as the NFI list and what could happen here? Yeah, so people probably know this already. Jonathan Taylor did request a trade. He started on the PUP list. We told you on Thursday it seemed a little sketchy that he was on the PUP list. And then there was this quote from Jim Irsay, which followed a tweet. And this was one of the quotes from Irsay. Quote, if I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor is out of the league, no one's going to miss us. The league goes on. We know that. The National Football League rolls on. It doesn't matter who comes and who goes, and it's a privilege to be a part of it. Philosophical Jim Irsay, perhaps. I'm not exactly sure how would you ca- how you would categorize this version <laughs> of Jim Irsay, but... Um, in a league in which owners have as much motivation to do everything they can to protect their brand and to protect their own shield, Jim Mersey has gone AWOL and yeah. has caused a storm. And there is a very public battle brewing between the owner of the Indianapolis Colts, who not only signs up on contracts, but cuts and, and pays the checks quite literally and their best player in Jonathan Taylor, at least their best offensive player for now. And it seems very clear that Jonathan Taylor no longer wants to be an Indianapolis Colt. He did say last night after reports came out that the team might be placing him on the NFI list because of a back issue that he had no such back issue and that the reporters needed to get better sources. The NFI thing is important for a lot of reasons. We're going to get nerdy early on in this podcast. Most important reason is 
the player, a player can be placed on the NFI list if he suffers an injury away from practice or not at the team facility. So okay. if you're not part of the off-season workout program where they're lifting weights at the team facility, if you're on your own, sure. if you're if you're on a jog in the Bahamas and you twist your ankle and you break it and you're going to miss three months and that's going to cost you half the season, yep. the team has the right to withhold any amount of your base salary that you're going to miss during the time that you're recovering. So when you get put on the NFI list, all of a sudden your money becomes a problem here. Well, and, and that was this was in response to a trade request from yep. Jonathan Taylor, which I, what would it even look like for Jonathan Taylor to be traded from this team? Is that even a, a thing that we think is possibly in the cards? How do you trade a guy like that? I, I have spent the past, it's probably been what, two or three days since we learned of this trade request. I've spent the past couple of days trying to find a team that I can make a legitimate case for. I wanted to come in today and say, I believe the fill-in-the-blank team should trade for Jonathan Taylor. Yep. I can't get there, Daniel. Here's the reason why. We all know how the running back market has taken shape recently. Yeah. It has obviously been a tough, tough go for these top running backs, Jonathan Taylor being one of them, Saquon Barkley, obviously Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, you name it. All these guys, Dalvin Cook and Zeke Elliott, we'll talk about in just a minute as well. If you're a really good team who views Jonathan Taylor as the icing on the cake, you're not going to want to pay the the Colts the draft capital that they want. Right. If you're a team that's already got a pretty good back, like just as an example, I don't know, if you're the Jaguars, you have Travis Etienne, you don't need to trade for Jonathan Taylor, right? Nope. There are teams that are bad that probably would get better with Jonathan Taylor on their team. The Cardinals would be a better team with Jonathan Taylor than they are right now. Why are they going to ship draft capital and spend yeah. a lot of money on a guy who might take them from like a three or four win team to a four or five win team, right? It's a bit of a rock and a hard place right now for Jonathan Taylor. It's like you're trying to thread the needle of who could potentially use this guy, but is also in as a position that could win now. Because if you're trading for JT, you're trying to compete. But it's a lot of money for a team that's trying to win right now. If you're the Chiefs and you want to trade for Jonathan Taylor, and we can make the case that, I mean, it's pretty obvious he's the best running back on their roster if he right. goes to Kansas City, like he is on many rosters. Sure. You don't have $4.3 million to play with, right? And you're not going to trade away a second-round pick for Jonathan Taylor because you have to replenish the depth at other more premium positions year over year over year. As Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and guys on the defensive side of the ball become more Chris Jones become more and more expensive. The chiefs are going to have to win by hitting in the draft. So Jonathan Taylor's trade request may turn into nothing, which could lead us to the next stage of this. Let's call it showdown right now between the Colts and Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. I think the door is open to the possibility of him maybe missing games because of his discontent that he is feeling right now, Daniel. If he is on the NFI list and he remains there until the regular season begins, he's out for six weeks. That already means that you might miss Jonathan Taylor for the most important half of the fantasy regular season. We're not there, but it seems at least possible, at least possible that Jonathan Taylor could miss some games during this fantasy football regular season which is a shame for a guy who was the face of fantasy football just last year. Now I get it. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor had a difficult year last year because of the injuries, but Jonathan Taylor was the consensus number one pick in fantasy last year. And right now there is this cloud of uncertainty hanging over him. So I think people are wondering, what do I do? It's July 31st. So we kind of need to make sure that we clearly define that. Like if you're an early drafter, if you're somebody that is either doing mock drafts right now or somebody that is an early drafter because you've got a passionate league that is not concerned about developments that can take place over the next five and a half, six weeks. Yep. 
That's your prerogative. Um, we would generally advise against it. But right now, if you're drafting, as I sit here and I pull up my running back rankings, there's kind of that tier, the top two guys are Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler amongst running backs. But as you start to look at that next tier of backs, mm-hmm. B. John Robinson, Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry. If you're making the case to pick one of those four, I think by default right now, just because of the possibility that something lingers into the regular season, sure. Taylor has to drop to the bottom of that RB1 tier. And that's something that two weeks ago, if you had asked me, I would have told you was unfathomable. And it all traces back to an NFL owner who decided to speak up for reasons that make absolutely no sense now. And they make less sense than they did when this first began before our Thursday show, when it seemed like he had already tweeted too much, it's gotten decidedly worse. It's just making it harder, just making it harder on everyone around him, on the team, on his GM, on everybody involved. Jim say sending out these He's totally tweets. Totally screwing his GM. Doesn't think do about any the good. Job. By the way, think about the job that his GM, Chris Ballard, now faces. Yeah. All right, let's say that the team is going to, and Jim Irsay has said very clearly, we're not trading Jonathan Taylor. Yep. Speaking not now, out of both sides of his mouth, yeah. Not now, not in October when the deadline is, is what he said. So the Colts simultaneously are reticent to pay Jonathan Taylor top dollar. They also don't want to trade him. But by the way, if they were to trade Jonathan Taylor, make one thing very clear. Let's just say they were to entertain this idea of trading Jonathan Taylor who's a very, very talented player, even at a devalued position. They're not like, it's not going to be that Adam Schefter tweets one day, hey, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs have acquired Jonathan Taylor for a sixth round pick. Right. Right. The Colts don't want to pay him a lot of money, but they're not going to give him away either. It's why there's this rub right now. It is going to be extremely difficult to find a trade partner for Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. So I figured, you know, let me at least come to the table with one team. One. Is there one? This feels like a dramatic stretch, but I'll just lay out a possibility. The one team we have is a dramatic stretch. And this is a dramatic stretch. I think this is extremely unlikely, but I'm just trying to find a way to thread the needle of circumstances that sure. would be required to facilitate such a trade. We got news yesterday that uh, both Kenneth Walker III and Zach Charbonnet, the top two Seahawks running backs, are dealing with various injuries. Charbonnet's got a shoulder injury. Sounds like there's some mystery surrounding that. Ken Walker's got a groin injury. Uh, did not sound like Pete Carroll was particularly concerned, but it's July 31st. No reason to rush him back out there. In this weird world in which maybe that groin strain either gets aggravated later in training camp or doesn't heal as fast as Seattle wants it to, this is a team that has long marched to the beat of its own drum personnel-wise. A few years ago, they made a trade which has not worked out for Jamal Adams, where they paid a big cost, two first-round picks at a devalued position, safety. Paid him a ton of money as well. Seattle wants to be in the playoffs again this year. They've got a phenomenal roster otherwise. Five years ago, I might have bought it. I don't buy it, though. Like Even Seattle, like I'm having a hard time finishing the case why Seattle should make a trade for Jonathan Taylor. So I think the most likely result, Daniel, is that Jonathan Taylor and the Indianapolis Colts continue to stare each other down, play a game of chicken, and they've got to decide over the next month whether they want to work together, whether this marriage is over. And if a month from now, this marriage has still not been resolved, we're going to have to have some really serious conversations about where you can justify drafting Jonathan Taylor. Yes. Until we get to that point, good luck finding a star on that backfield because it's now... Deion Jackson, 
Well, it was fine last year, but still fine. Fine is probably as far as I would go. Zach Moss, former Bill, who was yep. jettisoned in the trade for Naeem Hines. And then Evan Hull, they took in the fifth round out of Northwestern. If it's not Jonathan Taylor, if this team wants to support Anthony Richardson right away, they might need to consider some depth in the backfield. Uh, of note, by the way, uh, Zach Moss got banged up earlier in practice, like 20 minutes before we came on. Oh, so great. a very thin backfield all of a sudden is much Gosh, thinner. So many things to follow with. Do the this. whole show like, on Jonathan Taylor. Brother. Honestly, the whole show. It, I don't think he's getting traded, though, at least not anytime soon. It'd be and crazy. I, it, it just I think it's a really hard deal to put together for all these factors that we've been talking about. And we'll move on here. You, I, I think it's a good what you said, though. You're trying to bring one team to the table, right? The Seahawks have two really young running backs. It's, you're saying the Colts could get a young running back in return for Jonathan Taylor, which is what they were hoping to be able to do. I, I, that. I think it would be a draft pick. Like, I don't think it would be Ken oh, Walker think, or Zach Charbonnet. So I wait, think it would just be like Seattle. Would all with, three running backs? They would just say, hey, we're, we, this is simply for 2023 we're not going to extend Jonathan Taylor for 15 million bucks a year. That part's true. We're, it's it's a quasi all-in move. Again, one it year. sounds illogical to me, and I'm the one trying to make the case. <laughs> so the point is that I'm having a really hard time. I would love to, and at, at Fantasy Focus on Twitter, on X, excuse on me, X. or on the YouTube yeah. chat, like if there's a team that comes to mind for you that you think to yourself, yeah, like this is the right fit, send them our way because I'm just having a hard time convincing myself that any team. Yeah really any team in the entire NFL right now is the right fit to trade for Jonathan Taylor, pay the Colts what they want, and then pay Jonathan Taylor what he wants. It's hard to make everybody happy in this arrangement. Right it's going to be tough. All right, next up, Field. Joe Burrow was carted off with a calf injury. He was quarterback four last year. We've yeah. seen him be so good, continue to take steps each year of his career. It's only July, yeah. right? Teams, I think him being carted off was the idea of like, we're going to play it safe. He's our franchise quarterback. But should we be reading into this more as fantasy managers trying to look ahead at Joe Burrow's fantasy value? Not yet. Again, if you're an early drafter, I'll say this again, and I'll probably say it for the next, I don't know, seven or 10 days. If you're an early drafter, this is a good tiebreaker, right? If you go through the quarterback tiers, and by the way, tomorrow on the show, we're going to be discussing quarterback rankings, top 10 quarterbacks, tiers, thoughts on just a variety of different players. But, you know, I'll, I'll spoil the, the, the beginning of it. My first tier of quarterbacks is three players, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Jalen Hurts. There's that next tier of quarterbacks that I would argue is composed of at least Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, Justin Herbert. You could maybe throw Trevor Lawrence Trevor in Lawrence. there. It's called four to five men, right? Yep. Um, if you're drafting right now, again, you can plop Joe Burrow down to the bottom of it because while it sounds like he'll be ready for the regular season, Daniel, until we know, we don't know. Right. Right. So if he misses one or two games, three games, maybe, and you could have 17 games of Justin Herbert versus you know, 13, 14 of Joe Burrow, you, you would take that because they're so closely ranked otherwise. Yep. Um, but what I will say is that Joe Burrow, his superpower for fantasy is not his legs. His no. superpower is that he plays in what was the pass heavy offense in the NFL last year with incredible wide receivers. And he's, a, he's just a sniper, right? Yes, he is. But quietly, Joe Burrow did impact things with his legs last year. So I, I, I think that having that calf at 100% a month from now is important to how I view his early season outlook. He had five rushing touchdowns last season, close to 250 rushing yards, right? Like, he's a good runner. He's definitely not, you know, Lamar Jackson, right? But he's not a statue either, right? Like, this is not the next Tom Brady slash, whatever, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, as far as, like, fantasy 
how he gets the job done in fantasy is concerned, right? Yeah, he he, he yep. has enough athletic ability that the rushing does matter to me, um, but too early for me to be overly concerned other than what I said. If you're drafting now, plop him down a few spots, but I still expect when we get to August 31st or so, I will continue to have Joe Burrow as right around quarterback five, which is where I had him in my preseason ranks. I happen to have Lamar Jackson just one slot ahead of him. I'm with you, though. Joe Burrow is firmly in that tier two of quarterback categories, and we're trying to figure out like, within that tier, right? I love the tier system because you're saying which one of these guys do I like more? And it's a lot of times based on the situation. A lot of tears talk every day. A lot of tears talk. Definitely this week as we'll be going through all of our positional rankings and tears matters for reasons that we'll dive into very, very specifically. All right, Field, I was watching the internet yesterday and I saw... What does that mean? I'm watching the internet. Yeah, like... Uh, I think I was on X. I think I was on X. I was on X X watching videos and I saw a team at training camp chant, Dalvin Cook! Mm, Minnesota. You no, were not in Minnesota. I was not in Minnesota. Yeah. I saw him. He was at Jets training camp. How bizarre is this? It was crazy like that surreal. people in the stands were chanting, like, Dalvin, come on, baby. Yeah. Come sign with us. Where are you at on Dalvin Cook right now? Understanding they got Brees Hall still under center. This yeah. would be a great NFL move maybe yeah. for the team, but it might hurt us for fantasy if he goes there. Yeah, we talked about this on Thursday, but just to reiterate and double down on it, sounds like Dalvin Cook still is very much in play for the Jets. He yep. came on our show on Saturday, the back together weekend, and he made it very clear he's interested in the Jets. Still interested in the Dolphins, but the Jets look like the leader in the clubhouse here. No deal done yet, Daniel. But yeah, I mean, sounds a little bit of stating the obvious here. Um, but if he signs with the Jets, like the top percentile outcomes for Brees Hall, Hall are gone, right? And it makes total sense. One of the, the the pieces of feedback that Jets fans had for me when I posted our conversation from Thursday was like, we don't care about fantasy football. We care about winning championships. My response is like, we care about fantasy football because yeah, it's kind of what we do. It's our job. So, uh, yes, we're going to talk about the fantasy football outside, right. outlook here. Um, Brees Hall right now for me is, and I, I, we talked about how difficult of a player he is to rank. But mm-hmm. if you look at our running back rankings right now, yep. uh, Brees Hall currently slots in a consensus ranks at 15th. Uh, I've got him at 16, so right in line there. But you have a couple of us amongst the rankers that have him as high as 10. I see him as high as 11 in somebody else's rankings. Dalvin Cook comes. I think he gets pushed down closer to like 22, 23, right? I mean, A, it forecasts that the Jets are going to use Dalvin Cook a lot. You don't sign him not to use him a lot. And B, it empowers the Jets to slow play Brees Hall's recovery even more than they already are. He's on the PUP list. That's different from a guy like Javante Williams. The Jets have been very clear. They're going to be extremely cautious with Brees Hall because as talented as he is and as good as they want to be this year, they need Brees Hall to be awesome for them for like the next five years. Right. Or given how running back contracts go, like the next three years, right? Right. Um, So (laughs) Dalvin Cook signs tomorrow. Brees Hall, I think, goes maybe from like RB15 to like potentially, as I look at some of the players, 19, 20, 21. I mean, you've got guys like Alexander Madison and Damian Pierce, Miles Sanders there. Damian Pierce is a better player than all of them. I'm sorry, excuse me. Um, Brees Hall is a better player than all, all those, of guys. those guys. I tr- certainly believe he's a more special talent than all those guys. But Situation. his role, I mean, we talk about, you know, volume's going to go down dramatically. Yep. And maybe maybe the Jets' mindset does alter a bit as well. Like, hey, we, we don't need him week one. Maybe we kind of like, you know, eight or nine carries in week one. Dude. 10 or 12 in week two. Maybe he has a few weeks where we get him to like 15 or 18. But we're the two-headed attack in the backfield, and that works for us, a la Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon in Green Bay. And the ultimate slow play with them being able to bring their young kid back yeah. at a time where they don't have to rush him, but they can 
still make sure that they're trying to capitalize on whatever window Aaron Rodgers has left, right? But they, they don't care about fantasy football. They care about an, an Aaron Rodgers who clearly is yes. running this thing right now yep. or has a lot of influence. Like, if he wants Dalvin Cook, he just gave up $35 million of pay. They might very well get Dalvin Cook because that's what Aaron Rodgers that's wants. That's what he's looking for. Yep, totally with you on that. All right, one more piece of news here. Field Zeke Similar visits yeah. the New England Patriots. Is yeah. this something that is like really serious? Are we going to start seeing some of these running backs visiting teams, or are they just going to be kicking tires because hey, we're getting close to training camp and I got to find someone to sign with? This is serious, definitely. The Patriots do have a pretty glaring need at RB two behind Ramondre Stevenson, yep. as we all know. Pierre Strong, Kevin Harris. Uh, they had James Robinson. They cut him. It's thin. It's thin right now for the Patriots. They need a second running back. They have had interest in Leonard Fournette. They've had interest in Dalvin Cook. They've had interest in Zeke, who's been with them over the weekend. I think there is a real shot that Zeke signs with the Patriots, and there's no two ways to spin this, Daniel. It's bad news for Ramondre Stevenson. Yep. Again, stating the obvious, I know, but um, you know the, the, the Ramondre Stevenson right now, pre anybody signing with the Patriots, are like, okay, so he's going to carry the ball a ton. He's going to play just a ton of snaps in general. The Patriots, uh, other than when both Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson were hurt last year, I think it was maybe against like the Cardinals or something. It was one of those late season games in prime time. They did not rely on Pierre Strong or Kevin Harris. Maybe they'll be a bit more uh, likely to as second-year players, but still, they have a very thin depth chart behind Ramondre Stevenson. Should catch a healthy number of passes, not as many as last year, but a healthy number. Should have some some rushing touchdown upside. If Zeke signs with the Patriots, you know, Zeke is not the player he was, obviously, several years ago, um, but Zeke has a couple of things that we know he can still do well. He's a very good goal line finisher. Goal line, right? right? He did that very well for the Cowboys last year. Yep. He is very durable, has largely stayed healthy throughout his career, and uh, he's a great pass-protecting running back, which is not that we get pass-protection fantasy points, but it means more snaps, mm -hmm. and that would mean fewer snaps for Ramondre Stevenson. I've got Stevenson as RB10 right now, Daniel. If the Patriots were to sign Zeke Elliott by the end of the day today, I think Ramondre Stevenson might all of a sudden fall from like RB10 to more like RB13, 14. So right now, Ramondre ahead of guys like Travis Etienne and Joe Mixon, I think he could be more in the conversation with the Aaron Jones, Najee Harris's of the world. Guys who, at least in the case of Najee Harris, should be the clear cut back for mm -hmm. his own offense, even if I think that Ramondre... Yeah, Ramondre and Najee, I think, are... I, I'm not going to start a Ramondre Stevenson versus Najee Harris talent debate, um, but I think that's kind of the territory that he would fall into. A mid-tier RB1, excuse me, mid-tier RB2, as opposed to a low-end RB1. Again, same thing we said about the Jets. I get why the Patriots would want to sign Zeke Elliott. Yeah. They need a second running back. If the price is not prohibitive, you could probably do worse than Zeke. But if... Uh, Ramondre Stevenson is your favorite target right now amongst those like low end RB one guys. It takes a damper if Zeke signs there. Um, and by the way, Zeke, if he were to go there and same with Dalvin, like I think they have like, well, I, I would say Zeke pretty clearly would have value almost like what Jamal Williams was last year. I was just going to ask just that. has to score touchdowns for him to be relevant. I don't think he's going to have a huge passing game role. And obviously he's not super explosive. Dalvin's a different conversation. I think he's got more juice, obviously, left than Zeke. But both of those guys would be the pretty, you know, Zeke would clearly be, you know, several spots behind Ramondre Stevenson. But uh, if you have Ramondre on a dynasty roster or if you're just targeting him in general right now in redraft, just 
you should be hoping they don't sign Zeke, even though it sounds like they're going to eventually sign a second running back. Isn't it annoying that these NFL teams are making NFL moves that don't fit our fantasy game very well, Field? It's so... I mean, honestly, like, it's like a little bit inconsiderate. Yeah, I mean, it really is, right? Like, they should be thinking more and more about, about our chances to win various championships yes. this year. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, you're 100% right, Daniel. It is um, been a it's, it's ridiculous, them. right? I mean, I hear coaches, yeah, I've heard co- coaches often mock fantasy football when they're discussing their running back's roles. And you know what? Just don't like it. I don't like it at all, Daniel. I don't like it one bit, but my guess is that both Zeke and Dalvin Cook end up somewhere sometime soon, and that is obviously going to have a legitimate impact on whoever's team or backfield they end up joining. All right, Phil, we're going to move on to the burning questions that we have from training camp. Now that it is underway, are you ready, my friend? Uh, Yes, I just want to say quickly on those two Seahawks running backs, uh, not concerned about Kenneth Walker III, just to reiterate. It sounded like Pete Carroll is not. Um, if you're if you're looking for a name to store away as we get closer to the season, um, because the Zach Charbonnet injury is pretty uncertain at the moment. Okay, Kenny McIntosh, seventh round pick out of Georgia, one of the best pass catching running backs in the draft. But as we have talked about a lot recently, because top running backs aren't getting paid, one of the big reasons why. You can find an Isaiah Pacheco or a Kenny McIntosh in the seventh round. And if they get the opportunities, they can perform well. So don't overlook that name as we get closer to draft season. True or false, Austin Eckler was an undrafted free agent. Undrafted free agent out of Western State. Do you even know where Western State is? I don't think, no. Western is in a state. So how is there Western? What is Western State? It's actually in Colorado. Um, what? Yeah, it's, I, I, it, I feel like it's one of those those schools that like recently changed names as well. If someone fact checks me and it's not, let me okay, just, that's Austin all right be so mad i, will, if I, I won't hold wrong. you to it no it's that's a fair. tiny school in colorado that you're like wait I, I, good all, for him though know. i mean all i'm saying is you were able we have seen a handful of guys that have been drafted in those later rounds do some things here especially with us in fantasy western state baby that's right still confirmed western state let me that. see if that has uh changed names recently the western colorado Mount- mountaineers now uh, i believe they were formerly known as western state now they're okay. western colorado and that was where austin eckler played his ball as a completely overlooked uh, recruit who ends up at a tiny, tiny school in the lovely state of Colorado. I wish I were there right now. Yeah, heck, heck yeah. Actually, I'm happy to be here with you. Oh, thanks, Field. I'm happy to be here with you. All right, let's talk about a couple questions here. Five burning questions it. we've got from training camp. Here's my number one question. We could, we, by the way, this list could be five. Might be so long. So let's we'll hit five. Yep. But there might very well be others that. Yeah, you can make a case that we should be asking as well. Right. Training camp doesn't end today, right? I, I can still ask more. We have training... plenty of time. Oh okay, yeah, I can ask yep. questions next. All right, so. In his six games last year, Deshaun Watson, in his return, was quarterback 19 in fantasy points per game. Do you think Deshaun Watson will bounce back this year because last year was just knocking off the rust? I do. I do think he bounces back, Daniel. I think that last year, though, was about more than just the rust because, A, he had a lot of practice time with the Browns. He came back in early October, despite the fact that he didn't play until week 14 of the NFL regular season last year. He had a full training camp, like... We see other quarterbacks, Brock Purdy last year, who got zero reps with the ones and then all of a sudden went undefeated until the 49ers lost when he got hurt in the NFC championship game. Eagles were the better team, though, to be clear. Um, (laughs) But I think there was more to this. And so let's just start with like the, the good things with Deshaun. Okay. He's been quarterback one for a full season. Yep. Like not like a quarterback one, the quarterback, like one. the quarterback one, the highest scoring quarterback in fantasy. The last season with the Texans, he led the NFL in either passing yards, passing touchdowns or both. I should have had that stat written down. Um, I'll look. And you know this, Daniel. In Houston, it's not like he was consistently playing with like the Bengals wide receivers, right? He did have DeAndre Hopkins for a chunk of that. He also had Will Fuller as his number one, but 
part of what was so incredible about the offense down there was that like he was often doing it with like an okay supporting cast. Mm-hmm. So let's go to Cleveland. Mar Cooper, very good player. Great. I love him a lot. We'll talk a lot about Elijah Moore, a guy that I'm very bullish on this season. David Njoku had a blossoming year last year. Great offensive line. I so He doesn't need an elite supporting cast to be great. I think, though, there's something to be said about how the offense is going to shift this year. From what I understand, basically, Deshaun Watson went to Cleveland, and they wanted him to speak Kevin Stefanski's language. I'm, I'm speaking metaphorically, right? Sure. Come speak my – play my system, right? Everything I've heard out of Cleveland suggests that this year is going to be much more about getting back to what Deshaun knew in Houston and an offense that was very, very productive for him. Extremely productive. Spread it out. Let him pick defenses apart horizontally and, of course, vertically as well. I think Deshaun Watson, Watson bounces back. And if you're looking for a silver lining from last year, there aren't many. But in six games, 36 rushing attempts. Six per game. Do the math over a 17-game season. That's over 100 for Deshaun Watson. That's pretty good. That rushing can boost up his upside. I got him as quarterback nine right now, Daniel. There were some really disconcerting things from Deshaun Watson on the field last year. Obviously, many other things disconcerting off the field last year. But, like, the number of, like, short-armed throws, misses on throws that are layups for Deshaun Watson – he hadn't played it for a while, like, but there's no way you just like lose the ability to make the throws that he was asked to make last year. Right. I think the combination of expecting Deshaun to look more like himself, apparently has lost a lot of weight this offseason, get back to a sort of normal body type. Um, the Browns playing a system that more caters to Deshaun. Yep. And he's certainly good enough supporting cast. All those reasons lead me to believe that Deshaun Watson has the chance to be like conservatively a top 10 quarterback like him finishing as a top five quarterback this year far from insane even in a year in which we do have three like bona fide megastars at quarterback plus like three four five others they could easily push for top three status yeah i think it's crazy that i you know deshaun watson is that one guy that is later on in this qb tier list that i feel like if he finishes as qb1 it's no one's going to be surprised we've yeah. seen qb you know we've seen a qb1 finish from him i i, I will say in watching him take this next step, right? I'm curious when you talk about the offense is going to kind of shift to be more of like a Deshaun led offense. This is not a conversation about the rest of the team, but I'm curious how that's going to impact the rest of the Browns and what that's going to mean. Cause Nick Chubb has been a guy that they've given the ball to in a very specific way. He has been that offense yeah. for a long time. So, you know, with all the pass catchers, like you mentioned, didn't even throw in DPJ. I love DPJ as a, as a deep shot for him too. He was a guy that looked great last year. Yep. Um, really interested to see what Deshaun can be. I'm not getting overly concerned about Nick Chubb. Um, He's still going to do Nick Chubb stuff, He's right? He's still Nick Chubb and yeah. should do a lot of Nick Chubb things. Right now, the backfield depth is very thin. Jerome Ford, the next man up. Yep. I'm keeping my eyes on what, like, if they spread things out like I think they might, it might decrease Nick Chubb's overall workload just a little bit, which I think kind of runs counter to what a lot of the narratives are surrounding Nick Chubb at the moment. Yeah, I'm with you on that. All right, next up, will the Buccaneers quarterback play matter less than we think, Field Jates? How do you go from the greatest quarterback of all time to Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask and feel like, yeah, you know what? No big deal. We'll be all right here. So recency bias, for better and worse, is a huge part of fantasy football. Absolutely. I mean, there are people that are like, even before this nuclear situation for the Colts, I'm out on Jonathan Taylor. He burned me last year. I'm not doing it again, right? Um, But it can also influence us to think a little bit rosier. And 
last year at this time, me, Field Yates, the person you're listening or watching right now, um, spoke many times about how concerned I was about the Seahawks offense with Geno Smith. Oof. And you know what happened, Daniel? They were He was bad. awesome. Yeah. And we were wondering, can DK Metcalf or Tyre Lockett have a top 25 wide receiver season? Uh, Lockett was wide receiver 13. Okay. Metcalf was wide receiver 16. So the answer right. is yes. So the answer yes. is yes. yes. And I would say this. Not that anybody is going to confuse Baker Mayfield for Tom Brady. And obviously, he's been a disappointment relative to number one overall pick expectations. But up to this point in his career, yep. Baker Mayfield's resume is better than what Geno Smith's resume was going into last season. Like, we saw Baker play competent football for the Rams. Yep. We saw him have a couple of, I mean, his rookie season was objectively very good for the Browns. Baker was the, it was, there was a Baker moment in Cleveland, several of them, right? I'm just saying there are crazier things than Baker Mayfield playing well enough that Mike Evans and Chris Godwin have not top 10 or 12 seasons together, which was the case when Brady was humming at his best, right. but that these guys can both end up salvaging top 20 to 22-ish seasons. That, to me, is something that I am going to try my best to balance what I've known about Baker Mayfield in the past with what I've known or what I will see over the next few weeks, because I, I personally expect it to be Baker Mayfield as the starting quarterback. I was just going to ask you that. Kyle Trask, is, he's really like more than number two than 1B. I think right? so. I'm not going crazy here on on the Bucks receivers. I do have Godwin ranked uh, a good amount ahead of Mike Evans, uh, Mike Evans. right now. Me but too. like, um, I think there is something to be said for like not just like, just don't dismiss the idea that good enough Baker Mayfield is actually more than enough for both of these guys to end up being pretty useful values at current cost. Are you still on Mike Evans after everything he did to you last year? Because I know you made that comment about Jonathan yeah. Taylor, and I think that's ridiculous, but yeah. Mike Evans did burn me last year, and he I did do have some, have some days. emotional yeah. damage, I think, is yeah. the words I would use I mean, from it. And a tough one. I mean, I have him like wide around wide receiver 30, Daniel, so I'm not going crazy here with Mike Evans, but um, I'm at I don't know. I'm not 30. like, a, I will, we will do a show soon about like guys you got to leave the draft with and guys you got to avoid. It's not really how I roll. I'll explain it in more depth at that time. Sure. Um, Nuances. But I think that Mike Evans... Like I, I will have a little bit of exposure to Mike Evans this year. Not, okay. a, not an overwhelming amount because I don't want to dismiss the possibility that the quarterback play is good enough. It's good still enough. Mike freaking Evans. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's got the longest streak to begin his career with at least a thousand yards in every season. Literally, nobody's done what he has done. And Chris Godwin is an absolute stud. Like the talent does matter here. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Next up from our burning questions. How much less do you think Justin Fields or Lamar Jackson, yeah. who led all quarterbacks in rushing yards per game, will run this year? Are they going to have a dip in rushing production? Let's talk narratives here, right? Justin Fields gets DJ Moore. Yep. Uh, they get Darnell Mooney back. Yep. Beefed up offensive line. Running back. All of a sudden, they've got a bunch of running backs. Last year, the Bears ran the ball as much as they did because Justin Fields' top receivers were like Equinemius, St. Brown, and Dante Pettis, right? Guys who I'm not even totally sure if they're going to be on the team this year. Sure. Now he's got DJ Moore and Chase Claypool with a bit more exposure and Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet, who did have a really good year for them last year. He got paid too. If, if he, like, do we want for fantasy? I, I think there's a pretty reasonable case that we would have been fine if the Bears did nothing yeah. and said, hey, Justin Fields, we're going to run you 200 times this year. That would have been wonderful. He was last amongst all quarterbacks in terms of completion percentage last year, qualifying quarterbacks last season. Is throwing the football a whole lot more for Justin Fields a good thing or a bad thing for his fantasy value? I think it tends to equalize Daniel because Ooh. I think that he's throwing to better players. He'll be a better thrower. He's a gifted thrower. I don't doubt that at all. Um, I think a lot of last year was about 
the pe- the pieces around him, right? I think the passing offense will be way more functional. So I think the expected total dip in rushing, which might be let's 15 to 20% of carries, maybe even yards as well, will be offset by the increase in passing that I'm still very in on Justin Fields. I have my eye on it. And it's comparable to what we're hearing in Baltimore, mm-hmm. right? They make a change. All of a sudden, it's now Todd Munkin filling in for, after many years, Greg Roman, uh, taking over for Greg Roman. And he got a lot of flack. Um, one thing you can't deny is that when Greg Roman was coordinating for Lamar Jackson, it was fantasy. I mean, it was perfect, right? It was great. He had the, He's had some amazing seasons. All the rushing upside. Yep. But all of a sudden, he's got a bunch of receivers. OBJ, Zay Flowers, Rashad Bateman might be RB wide receiver three on this roster. He's a first round pick. Mark Andrews still is still there. sizzling. Yep. Um, same deal. Like I, I, I feel the exact same way that I do about Justin Fields is that both Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields are way too gifted of both throwers and runners that from a throwing standpoint, I expect the improvement to be significant because of the weapons around them and the scheme around them. Yep. And I think that the rushing is way too potent for either of these teams to take it away in a meaningful way that these two evolved and and maybe regress down in terms of value amongst quarterbacks in fantasy. I think that's really interesting because so much of their value, like we've already laid out, came from their legs. And if they're going to do that less, that passing efficiency having to increase it, this situation kind of sets up exactly how you're playing out because both teams yep. approached the situation and said, we're going to find ways to help make you better at this. Part so of I'm your putting job. my faith in Lamar and the fact that he has a season and leading the NFL in passing touchdowns. Like that's already in his bag. That's happening. He literally had the most passing touchdowns during his MVP case. And then in college, and maybe this is because college quarterbacks are less inclined to be running a lot to protect their future value. Fair. Like Justin Fields, was slinging it back at Ohio State. Remember that game against Trevor Lawrence and Clemson in the national playoff semifinals? Had six touchdown passes. Justin Fields can put it all over the yard. So I think both of these guys are way too capable of throwers that whatever rushing they lose will be more than offset. I've got Lamar at quarterback four, Fields at quarterback six, guys who you can make a case for even higher in your rankings. I love that. I'm with you on that. All right, next up, can Tua Tungavailoa stay healthy this year in order to help this Dolphins team? Yeah, so I hate, um, and I, I, I propose this question, so I'm sort of taking the blame here myself, is that like... Poo-pooing your own question. poo my own question. What I would say to you, Daniel, is that like, it's in some ways unfair to ask whether a player can stay healthy because every NFL player runs the risk on every single play, right? right. Um, but to us, we, we've seen how much it matters. All right. Uh, if you subscribe to EPA per play, uh, the Dolphins had the fifth best EPA per play when, when Tua was under center last year. That's really good. Um, how many touchdown passes do you think Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle combined for last year without Tua? Only because I've listened to this podcast over the offseason. Yeah. I know the answer is zero. Zero. Think about that. It's Think surprising. about how different the offense was with and without Tua. Now, maybe it's a little bit different. Maybe they feel like Mike White is a better backup option than what Teddy Bridgewater was. It's pretty close. I could certainly see it. Uh, Mike White did sling that thing last year for the Jets. Uh, remember that game? 400 yards of Mike <laughs> That's White. so great. Very normal. Um, so, yes, the backup plan is better this year. But Tua staying healthy means the world to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell for their upside outcomes. And then I've got two as quarterback 11, Daniel, uh, that quarterback, I think, and we'll talk about quarterback tiers tomorrow, but like right after that second tier, which is like eight, the eighth or ninth highest rate quarterback on my board, mm-hmm. it starts to get a little sort of curious little, amongst the quarterbacks. Like yep. you can make, 
you know, Aaron Rodgers versus Tua versus Kirk Cousins versus Geno Smith versus Dak Prescott versus guys like kind of of that caliber. Those are sort of subjective arguments, right? It might be that people have very reasonable uh, approaches to any of them being the best of those five. Um, but Tua at quarterback 11, if he stays healthy, this Dolphins offense can hum. And we talked about this during the offseason. If you were to make a list of like as many players that you could conceive of being worthy of the number one overall pick in fantasy, I think this is a bit of a long shot. Hmm. But Tyree Kill, you could put into that conversation if you were to get 17 games of Tua, because for as great as Justin Jefferson was last year, Tyree Kill was like, Right there in terms of total receiving yards, he had 99 fewer did Tyreek Hill. And oh, by the way, look at his targets. He had 119 catches on 170 targets, a career high last year, over 14 yards per catch. You know, he's good for a touchdown. He could be good for a touchdown on any play. That's the, like, that is tethered to Tua. Yeah. Mike White's better than I think than Teddy Bridgewater. I said, but a that's bit not going to happen with Mike White. It's just not the same offense. Right. So Tua stays healthy. The uh, ceiling is the roof for Tyreek Hill, uh, to borrow a phrase from the GOAT himself, Michael Jordan. And they're going to need to stay healthy in this division as well. This is going to be one of the toughest divisions in football yeah. this year. Yep. It's, it, I mean, the whole thing is freaking loaded, right? It's absolutely. Absurd. Is. Yeah. All right, Phil, last question for our burning questions from training camp for today. Yeah. yeah. Many more to come. Many, many more. Many, yeah. many more. Uh, are the Dallas Cowboys really, really committed to running the football as much as they've talked about with CeeDee Lamb? Yep. And they brought in Brandon Cooks. Yep. And Michael Gallup is back and hopefully back and healthy. healthy now. Yeah, so actions versus words, right? right. Uh, credit to our friend Mina Kimes, friend of the podcast, who brought this up a while ago. It was sort of like Mike McCarthy keeps saying, we're going to run the ball. like We're going to run the damn ball. And yet, first of all, they were sixth in the NFL in the rush attempts or rush percentage last year. They ran the ball a lot last a season, lot. right? I mean, Zeke had a monster year as the backup running back to Tony Pollard. Uh, moreover, though, Daniel, like they now have, as you mentioned, one of the best receiving trios in the NFL and Dak Prescott's healthy. And I would think that if the Cowboys are taking a look at the best way for them to be great this year, it might be relying on the arm of Dak Prescott because their running back backfield, the running back depth chart is thin beyond Tony Pollard and Pollard's coming off of a fractured leg in January. So yeah. I'm wondering if what Mike McCarthy has been messaging will actually come close to how the Cowboys operate on offense. I That's a really great question because if, if things stay the way they are, Tony Pollard, just like you just said, yep. Tony Pollard's ceiling is is the roof in this offense. If they don't go out and grab somebody else, that one feels like they're going to have to. They get have somebody, to, right? right? Just, like if if I'm drafting now and I draft Tony Pollard, being like, "Yep, this is my guy," but I'm not expecting someone else to be there. I think I'm setting myself up for failure. I, maybe I'm wrong, but it just feels you know, Malik Davis and Ronald Jones are the backups right now. That's not doesn't inspire confidence. I think is what I was. Zeke still hanging out there. Maybe he goes to New England, but um, you know, Zeke a return to the Cowboys has not been ruled out for. Zeke and if that happens Pollard was excellent last year with Ezekiel with. Elliott but the, the path to an RB1 you know top five top eight season for Tony Pollard uh, can be prevented with a return from Zeke Elliott because he'll probably get a large chunk of the goal line work yeah. as we saw last season Man. but I'm keeping my eyes on this offense because Dak he could easily be a top 10 quarterback we've seen that before right Absolutely. up until last year when he kind of kind of sputtered because of the injury and just inconsistent play and all the interceptions. Like you were counting on Dak being a weekly starter at quarterback, even in a 10 team league, he had shown himself capable of that. 
Um, if the Cowboys throw the ball as much as their personnel suggests they can, we could see a monster year from Dak. Dallas Cowboys had the sixth most rush attempts in the NFL last sixth most. year. Okay, yeah. So that, for a team that wants to run the ball, run more, the ball like, more. What do you want to go from six to third? Like, yeah. you know, you're going to run. The, they ran it a ton. They are not a team that's that struck me as like, wow, we don't run the football enough, right? Like. This was not the Bengals, who, as I mentioned, were the past heaviest team in terms of percentage of called passes last season. All right, we're going to be back with some off-season storylines in a second. But first, we got to pay some bills, Field Yates. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help, like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. Geico is always an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to Geico.com or contact your local agent today. Take your shot at huge wins with DraftKings Sportsbook. You could win big with money lines, props, parlays, and more. Right now, new customers can score $150 in bonus bets instantly for betting just $5 on anything. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code FFF. That's code FFF only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in West Virginia. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. All games regulated by West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccp.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. All right, Field Jates, coming back, and we only have a few minutes left. We're going to dive into a bunch of our off-season storylines just to get everybody caught up. Yeah, in let's case do you it just like um, in new. Yeah, yep. let's let's try to do this in like a wrap. It's like a two-minute drill, right? You and I have the ball. Yep. Uh, we got to score a touchdown in the next minute and seventeen seconds. We've got one timeout, and uh, you're Travis Kelsey, and I'm Patrick Mahomes, or vice versa. Well, if there's one quarterback that I'm trying to use in the two-minute drill, it's probably going to be Aaron Rodgers. He's up Field there, Jates, yeah. And he is now with the New York Jets, as we mentioned earlier on in the show. Yep. Uh, he is with the New York Jets. He gets traded there this offseason, Daniel. He was quarterback 14 last year, which feels crazy because he didn't have 20 points in a single game last season. Not one game. Yeah, but I am subscribing to the theory that Aaron Rodgers is ticked off, that he is, I mean, he, listen to him. He is like, he's found the fountain of youth. He sounds rejuvenated. Sean Payton have, taking a shot at his coach helped. He was I think. not happy. Yeah. He does have good weapons. I mean, he has good enough weapons, right? Uh, Garrett Wilson, star. Great. Uh, Alan Lazard, we know what the relationship is there. Good backfield, maybe even better with Dalvin Cook. Weapons are good enough. Rodgers is obviously a very motivated player. Not going to do a lot with his legs. They're going to play a lot of really difficult defenses, especially in their own division, Daniel. I think he has a chance to hover around quarterback 10 this year. That's fair. All right. You already heard us talk about Zeke and Dalvin Cook, both on the move, potentially going somewhere else. Let's talk about Darren Waller. Moving from Oakland to the Giants, giving Daniel Jones now an option at the tight end position. How are you approaching Darren Waller? Into his 30s now, so you got to be concerned about the age. you got to be concerned about the injuries. Obviously, that's been a big problem for him in his career. But another guy who I think is ticked off after being traded or was ticked off now got traded and is a very happy man here and he's the best pass catcher the giants have on their roster absolutely along with saquon barkley i've got him as a top five play at tight end this year a little bit trepidatious trepidatious just because of the you know the health concerns in the past but um if i'm drafting a giants 
pass catcher this year. It's clearly Darren Waller. I suspect a big season. I know this team internally feels like he can be the difference maker in the passing game for them. Heck, heck yeah, that would be awesome for fantasy. All right, the Tennessee Titans have yes. officially signed DeAndre Hopkins, giving Ryan Tannehill a real wide receiver to work with. But yep. what is Nuke going to look like in this Titans offense? I think pretty similar to what he has in prior years. Now, the, the, here's what you love about Nuke. He goes somewhere where he is a clear-cut wide receiver. One, I expect him to have you know challenge for 10 targets per game. Uh, quarterback play is fine. I think Ryan Tannehill is a totally serviceable quarterback. He's not perfect, but he's won a lot of games for the Titans. He's been a reformed player with them. Um, they have an extremely run-heavy offense. So even if Nuke has a 30% target share, all 30% target shares are not created equally. Think of what happened last year with Drake London as yep. opposed to somebody with like Devontae Adams. So um, I've got him as like a low-end wide receiver two down from like a potential low-end wide receiver one in prior years. Um, D-Hop absolutely feasted last year when he came back from injury. He had a ton of yards, ton of targets. Targets. Quarterback play is good enough. The volume should carry him into, like, let's call it wide receiver 15 to 19 range. I still need Nuke to have 10 targets a game here in this Titans offense. I need that to he happen. Deserves he yeah, deserves, he deserves no, it. Yeah, he deserves it. No doubt he deserves it. All right, the Philadelphia Eagles have added Rashad Penny and DeAndre Swift yeah. to their backfield. This is an interesting one to break down because the Eagles were a super run heavy team. But what do you do with these two running backs now? Because they still have Jalen Hurts under center. I think you hope that you guess right on these guys. I think, yeah, that's a right because, way to look at uh, it. DeAndre Swift, most talented guy in this backfield now. Um, but, you know, with him, injuries are concerned. Very good in the passing game. The Eagles throw the ball very little to their running backs, partly because Jalen Hurts runs the ball so much. A lot of running quarterbacks don't throw it to the backs nearly as much. Same yep. thing with Justin Fields. Same thing with Lamar, Lamar Jackson. We've seen this with, uh, you know, a lot of running quarterbacks. That's sort of part and parcel for that position or DeAndre, that style of play. DeAndre Swift only had 147 touches last year as yep. a part of needing to stay healthy. Yep, so so got to stay healthy. And the Eagles, I think, are going to give zero craps about our fantasy football. Yes, so accurate. Uh, I am OK with pretty much all of them at cost right now for Rashad Penny, RB 28, excuse me, uh, Swift, RB 28, Penny, RB 37. In a perfect world, Rashad Penny stays healthy and could literally lead the NFL in either yards per carry, rushing touchdowns, or go over a thousand yards. It's going to have to have a lot of things go right for Rashad Penny, but a perfectly reasonable roll of the dice where he is being priced at right now at RB37. If Rashad Penny leads the league in touchdowns, that means something happened to Jalen Hurts, and I don't like how that scenario works out. Um, or the Eagles are just a bit more protective of the guys. I mean, you're right, but uh, you know they, they they had 32 rushing touchdowns last year. Yeah. Like Miles Sanders had over 10 or had 10 last last year. Yep. So there's a scenario in which they just allocate a bit more goal line work to Penny to protect Jalen Hurts going forward and again this is like what you're looking for for Rashad Penny. It's Jamal, it's Jamal Williams. Williams. Yes. yes. Which that's an outlier season so yeah. Mike Clay's going to yell at us when he joins the show <laughs> soon. Um but yeah, I mean like you're looking for let's call it the light version of that, right? Yeah. Like it's touchdowns. Lots of volume uh in the running game and you know Lots of goal line opportunities in an offense that should be outstanding once again. Should have a lot of goal line opportunities yeah. as well. Bears trade for DJ Moore. Finally give Justin Fields a legit number one wide receiver. Is it going to be enough to vault him up into that next tier, though, Field? We've already talked about how he's in that tier two of quarterbacks. Yeah, I think that, that Fields kind of stays where he is, has a chance to, you know, get close to uh, like top three, top four quarterback. But I think this in, in this case, I'm concerned, not concerned. I'm more interested in what happens with DJ Moore, who uh, may now have a lot of players in Chicago that are just just generally speaking upgrades compared to where they were last season. Yep. DJ Moore is a really, really good player, really consistent player. He got dogged by quarterback play last year, 
bad quarterback play, injuries to quarterbacks. So DJ Moore, for me, I've got him as wide receiver 29 right now, which I think is a lot more reflective of the fact that there are good receivers kind of all over the board here. And the idea that in Carolina for a while, clear-cut number one guy. In Chicago, while I think he's better than Chase Gleepool, I think he's better than Darnell Mooney, I think he's better than Cole Komet, enough competition there. And um, while I think, as we said earlier, the Bears will throw the football more, I don't expect them to be like in the top eight of passing attempts this year. Correct. I think we had to temper expectations. Justin Fields is still going to utilize his legs. But I'm so excited. I mean, the Bears just like, what a great evaluation they can finally get on oh, John, yeah. John Justin Fields. They like, if he doesn't do it this year, it's going to tell you a lot more about what his long-term future is. And he did it last year, by the way, with very little around him. Yeah. If he takes a big step back this year, it might be cause for concern or we're talking about him like this year's Jalen Hurts, which would be tremendous and great for the Bears, great for Justin Fields, and wonderful for our fantasy rosters. Absolutely. What about OBJ moving to Baltimore? Is that something that can be wonderful for our fantasy rosters? Can OBJ <sighs> recapture that top wide receiver talent that he's been in the past? I don't know. So I think this is one where last week we talked about players of what they can be for 17 weeks mm-hmm. versus what they can be for a little bit of time, right? Yep. Out of the gates, week one. OBJ will probably be my highest ranked wide receiver for the Ravens. The question you have to ask when you arrive for the draft is at what point do you stop looking for players that you expect to be whatever they are for the full season versus guys that you're saying like, you know what? This is my depth play that if I, if he gets hot for the right period of time, he'll be a valuable part of my bench. I don't think OBJ is going to have a full 17 game season where his value just goes just sort of stays neutral, right? Um, super talented player, obviously. Lamar loves him. A lot of buzz right now about Zay Flowers out of Ravens training yes, camp. I'm going to hold steady, though, with OBJ. If I had to pick one as of right now, he is the Ravens receiver that I most want. All right, two more to close this out. Derek Carr goes to the New Orleans Saints, gives the Saints hopefully a real quarterback under center to be able to lead this offense. Yep. Do you think that he has more fantasy value here in New Orleans than he did in Oakland? Or is it going to kind of be a wash and it's going to help more of those skill position guys? Much more about the skill guys for yeah. me. And I'm going to do my best right now. I'm telling you this right now. I've got this camera right in my face right now. I'm going to do my best, but it's going to be very difficult to restrain myself from going too far overboard with my excitement surrounding Chris Olave. I cannot get enough Chris Olave this year in fantasy. The price is tremendous. I think the guy is an absolute wizard. Garrett Wilson won the offensive rookie of the year. These two guys are the same class of player. Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, teammates at Ohio State, comparable players. I think there is something to be said for us talking similarly about Chris Olave as we were, as we are Garrett Wilson right now, one of my favorite breakout players in all fantasy football this season. I've got him at wide receiver 14, Daniel, and I'm sure, I'm not sure that I'm, I, I might be too on him i'm with love you. chris olave this year i have him as wide receiver 14 as well love chris olave all right let's last one calvin ridley returns from suspension comes in to be the wide receiver one for trevor lawrence do you think that you can count on him to be a wide receiver two here in fantasy this that year? feels to me like close to best case scenario daniel okay Let's talk about this a whole lot more because this Jaguars offense is fascinating. A lot to, pick to apart. dive into. I'm so happy to have you back in the NFL, though, Calvin Ridley. And I'm so happy that we are back here on the Fantasy Focus. We are back here tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern time on all the different places. That's that right. You can watch or listen to your podcast. For Daniel on field, quarterback talk tomorrow. Find us at Fantasy Focus on Twitter. X? I think it's X now. Oh, sorry. On X. On X. On X. Wait, are we? We're not. You're not on X right now, are you? I'm not. not No, no, no. Okay. I didn't say me either. No, no, no. Let's just clarify that real quick.
stick of tide, field is your guide. If you're in Bristol or in Farmington, you should find another ride. Candidly, he hates Mike Clay, and you know that it's a fact. Every hater's gonna hate, 'cause he's on TV every day. A spicy tomato who's got the stats and tweets that'll make you laugh. He's our favorite host, and everybody knows. 